Hello, child, and welcome back to the Chronicles of a Black Italian Women. My name is Benita Junpa, and I'm the and creator of this podcast. And hello, people of the internet. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. So, it's going to be one more time a solo episode. I'm currently in Sicily, and uh, yes. I want to still record something briefly for you as I've been missing on here for a while. Although I want to push more the previous episode along my way, I also want to edit and upload the podcast at some point. Although I can be in a small town in Sicily called Kanikati, which is not by the seaside, but definitely I. Good to do some exploring today some more. I'm going to add some granita siciliana, which is well, but commonly known as a slushy, I think, in the US. And uh, but it's normally very tasty, and I will have it with this brioche. And so I want to go and try it because of a wedding ceremony. So my friend Chita from university, my master's degree, she got married yesterday to reach out Chintia that I know she listens to the podcast. And it's just beautiful to see people loving on themselves, loving on themselves generally. So many years that Chintia and Chintia have been together, I think for more than, I think 15 years, I think so. It's been interesting because I also met somebody else that been together with her husband. I think she's about my same age, a little bit older. She's been together with her husband for 22 years since they were in middle school. So I was like, wow, this is an interesting place to be because you have been together for this long, what a wow. But it's beautiful, it's nice, it's been good. It's my first time in Sicily. And I'll be honest, let me say, give you two cents on this Sicilian wedding because uh, I've really found that. Uh, a Sicilian style of wedding kind of reminded me African, Nigerian kind of weddings. Because especially, we probably know by now that up to northern Italy, the difference between the north and the south. And I got to observe it, especially going to different weddings and going to weddings which sometimes you will see both the North Italian population and the South Italian population. And then you have me, that I'm from Northern Italy, but I'm also Black, Ghanaian, that spent most of the time in London and now went back to it. And the interesting part for me is this, I'm telling you all of this why, because whenever I get ready for a wedding, for me, it's like self-care, I can, you know, your gun looks good. Good. She has her dresses ready. She has the makeup done. She looks good. That's what I like to do. I enjoy doing my makeup and then to do that while I was in the UK. I love, 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 love resting, dressing up. That's something that I love to do because on a daily I don't do that as much. And in the last few years, I'm doing that less and less. I need to go back to dress up. I don't know. For me, I find it very therapeutical. Funny enough, my mom last year made a comment. When I went to my friend's wedding, Paola, which is from northern Italy, but part from the south, her husband is Sicilian, if I'm not mistaken. This is their part of the family, the proper dress. The northern Italian side, show when it came to the outfit, a lot more simpler, a lot less makeup, but whatsoever. And then there is me, that I'm always in between, I feel. 
I like my makeup was done and my mom my mom saw a picture, a selfie with me and the bride and she was Benny, why do you look more than a than the bride? You look you're wearing more makeup than the bride. But because that's my my style of makeup, especially because I look a lot at UK girls, the way they do their makeup. So I think when it comes to the Italian context, I look a little overdone. But let me tell you, yesterday during this incident when it, I did not feel out of place. I did not feel overdressed. I did not feel overdone. I was just like fine with my look. Yes, this is what I like to say. Because I love the simplicity of the Italian weddings on one side, but on the other people I just want to beat my face. Don't make me look like I'm the only one beating my face. So I really, 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 really loved the fact that people were wearing glitters with their outfits. You could tell that some people probably went to the shop to buy the biggest dress. I was like, wow. And the dresses were colorful. And I was like, wait, 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 no, 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 this looks like, this looks more similar to an African Nigerian wedding. Like, that's the proximity of Sicily as well, I think, because the proximity to Africa, which is oftentimes people play it out in so many different ways. Guys, you all are not really Africans, but on the other side, you do elements that just like, wait, wait, wait. But this kind of style of wedding, the way you're dressing, the looks, the ceremony, kind of reminds me of an African wedding more than a Norwegian wedding and uh, being as a side in between cultures that kind of makes me observe a lot of things. Extremely tired this morning because I come from weeks in which I'm moving out, taking languages here and there, traveling, uh, meeting people, job interviewing, doing a lot of stuff and I'm exhausted. I was not like mentally ready to arrive because I was like oh my gosh but I'm so happy that we're here to celebrate with Chitza Vincenzo and I'm looking forward to our Sangrinda Siciliana and Brioche as soon as I'm done recording. So I just wanted to share with you some couple of thoughts on different topics, different issues, a bit about summer and life and later shows that I watched. Let's talk about Patrick Zaki, which is an Egyptian citizen that studied at the Bologna University here in Italy, which was held imprisoned in Egypt, actually because it shared about the discrimination faced by Christians in uh, Egypt. I did not do, know that that was the reason why it was in, in prison. I am understanding now that this case was very important in Italy because especially after the case of Julian Reggiani, which he was killed, I believe, let's say 2015, around 2015-2016, who was an Italian researcher, was spies, was sent to kill him. And uh, it was a very sad death that happened of a young man that just wanted to study, do his research. And uh, we saw, thankfully, Patrick has been freed after he was initially condemned by the Egyptian court. But the president decided to grace give him grace and so soon he will be back in Italy. It was interesting because the current government, I always tell to you, is the far right government, right? And uh, they try to offer like a state flight, drive him back. Um, I'm just coming home with a simple plane. And this has become a national case. To determine it was like, I don't 
care if he's grateful or not. Like not making him sound like if he's not grateful for what's been done when he has expressed gratitude in so many different ways. But you for right government claiming, okay, that you're siding with him when actually you did not vote in favor of Italian citizenship for him in order to be freed from the Egyptian prisons is quite funny. For me, it's quite funny. And it's interesting also the relationship of this current government with Northern African authorities, especially Tunisia. We deal with Tunisia that it's, by the way, Tunisia right now is running a very anti-black rhetoric. And when I tell you why supremacy is, is at the core of everything, even in Northern Africa, that's a reality, unfortunately. And a lot of, uh, for the past couple of months, a lot of black Tunisians are facing a lot of racism and discrimination. And also migrants that arrive in Tunisia are facing a lot of hatred and campaign. The, the European Union, thanks to George, George Mellon's George uh, support, they decide to give money to the Tunisian government to stop people coming, especially black Afghan migrants, coming to Italy. It's quite interesting because I'm just like, first of all, why you Tunisian country, you're taking money from the European government. Also, EU, you're claiming that you sustain human rights causes, but giving money to any kind of potential dictators wherever there is human rights violation. As soon as you don't do the human rights violation directly, you're happy to give money. You'll be giving that money to Turkey, to Libya, and now also to Tunisia. It's kind of very scary. And the European Union kind of scares me, especially the border liar, for example, has just embraced George Meloni, which is she's a far right leader. And you are, why are you talking about tackling systemic racism? Because that's what they've been doing lately when I went to Brussels back in March. Von der Leyen sent a video which she was talking about tackling systemic racism. But already at the borders, you do not let black people in, black and brown people in. You push very violent rhetoric, you let people die at the shoes of European countries. You give money to the democratic government, then you go with promote human rights and we tackle systemic racism. Um, can we make it make sense? It make sense, I'll be honest. It's not making sense. Europe really has to deal with a lot of its hypocrisy, especially when it comes to, like you say, your social democracy while sustaining governments that are not as democratic and uh, in order to preserve whiteness, because at the end of the day, the aim, the goal is always to preserve whiteness. They always make a securitarian issue, but it's not. Europe actually does not have the highest numbers of migrants within the world. Oftentimes, countries that do have the higher numbers of migrants and refugees are what are defined as developing countries. So look at cases like Ethiopia, Kenya, Lebanon, look at those countries. Those are countries that most of the time host the biggest world population of refugees. But you want to make it seem that you are invaded by black and brown people, which actually, it will not be bad because 
you all like looting people's country, taking their resources. And it's scary because now, like, Joe Mellon, she's running with, uh, which is the Italian prime minister, she's running with this narrative that the Mediterranean collaborate in order to tackle migration and offering developing plan to countries like African countries. Which is uh, that sound like neocolonialism. But anyway, I don't think she I don't know if she's talking about human lives and trafficking. But I think she really cares about trafficking, I'll be honest. I don't think she does. I think all she does all she cares about preservation of whiteness. That's it. Right. Well we're talking about this also, let's talk about another big topic and talking about whiteness. Some of you may come for me. Don't, please don't. But I have two cents to share on the latest Barbie movie, which is interesting. I really love that everybody's embracing this movie. I haven't seen it. I don't know. A lot of people have made it that it's very progressive and uh, it's something that we should all enjoy and embrace. I think that's very nice. That's very interesting. Love to see it. I heard that Barbie was born because first, the only games that were given to girls, like small babies, like toy babies. I don't know how to call them. In Italian, they're called bambolotti. And to make women envision that all they could be would be mothers. Meanwhile, Barbie has helped to emancipate women, create their own reality, be the center of their own reality. And I mean, that's amazing. But on the other hand, the issue that I'm having with Barbie is, Bob, I'll tell you what Barbie meant for me. I don't want to hit off the movie just because. I may go and watch it. I may not go and watch it. We shall see. I'm literally curious because of the hype. Probably I'll watch it later as I do, whatever. I feel like a movie is overhyped. But maybe it's not. So I'll tell you clearly. I don't want to judge the movie too quickly. But I want to share with you what Barbie has meant for me. So, growing up in Italy, especially having only a white Barbie, several white Barbies, I was like, hi. That's what I enjoyed playing when I was little. I would play with the Barbies. They were cute. I was like, they look nice, whatsoever. But I feel like implicitly they were promoting this idea that as the woman, you have to look blood, blue eyes, skinny to be beautiful. This movie is kind of really cancelled very quickly, maybe the kind of trauma and wrong expectation that has been um, promoted by Marshall. Although throughout the years, Marshall has changed so much and has made the girls a lot more inclusive, building friends, building people, building the role of Ken. I don't really feel like giving the social political analysis of Barbie because I think I'm not an expert with that. But I want to talk more about what it meant for me playing with Barbies. So for me, like playing with Barbies kind of made me feel, I think, in the value of the, yeah, like in order to be pretty, you have to be blonde, blue eyes and skinny. About the first time I received a black doll, I don't remember if I shared it on here, and uh, but the first time I received a black door, I was about seven, eight years old. My dad used to go back and forth to the U.S. He did a seminar training, kind of. My dad is actually a, a ordained minister. 
So as his NOD minister, we'll go back and forth because he did his studies in the US. We'll come to Italy and stuff. So there were periods where I was growing up that my dad would spend like months in the US and then be here with my mom and my siblings. So when I come back, we'll bring gifts, right? Among the gifts I remember once, there was this kangaroo that I always loved. And also there was a Barbie one time, which was a black Barbie, which was not a real Barbie, but was similar to Barbie. And I remember the first time I received a gift, I screamed, but I screamed of joy. I screamed, I started crying, and I said the door was ugly. And I said that, why? When I was going to school, I used to be called ugly because I was black. And so me seeing that door and receiving this message from society has made me refuse the door. And actually, like, I still remember that when a few years later, I saw this Barbie, I looked at her and I was like, why did I think this dog was ugly? And it was like, probably I was in middle school or high school. And, but this dog was very pretty. But because I was dealing with a lot of self-hatred and a lot of comments, things coming from society, which I didn't have the tools to unpack, I can still remember the feeling because I remember still the scene. Remember, I was young because now I'm 30 and I can still do remember the scene having that feeling of refusal for that Barbie. And I remember that my parents even tried with my one of my family friends as an adopted kid from Ethiopia. They were really trying to like, but look at this Barbie, this Barbie is cute, why are you refusing it? And I think they couldn't really understand the fact that I was refusing this Barbie because this black doll, poor doll, because I was dealing with a lot of self-hatred. That was very difficult. So for me, sometimes it's a bit tricky to look at Barbie in a positive light. But with that being said, I still want to watch it because I don't want to buy into no Fox News narrative of Barbie of the Barbie movie, trust me. So I definitely going to watch it. And I also want to share some last thoughts. <coughs> you know, earlier this episode, I was talking about Sicily's proximity for Africa. And I think people, especially black Americans, that run along with this narrative that Italians are close to Africa, Italy is close to Africa, so Italian men have a love for black women. And I think I spoke about it before the podcast. I definitely don't believe that. I'm sorry. And so lately I watched this series, The Survival of Thickness, which was very cute because talking about beauty standards and the fact that what was promoted to us was always skinny people, even when it came to cinema movies, definitely it, it was nice to see a series in which we have the main protagonist who is not a skinny girl, but somebody that has a bit overweight body. And I think that was nice seeing a black woman be the protagonist, although still light skin just saying and uh, but it was nice seeing her in a relationship with friends the thing I found problematic although I too first of all like a male friend the fact that he needed a woman to teach him about the fact how to be a decent human and how to appreciate commitment I'm tired of black women every time trying to save black men I'm sorry but what about self-work and why every time black women have to do the labor for black men I do not get that that's one the other one, why in the end of the day you pick an Italian man as love interest? Although this time I appreciated the fact that in this movie, I think the guy was named Luca, and he was a child of immigrants. And I loved that because that was more modern, okay, as a narrative of an Italian man. But you pick an Italian man as a love interest 
for a black woman, they stink. Does that make sense? I'm sorry to the director of the movie. I'm very sorry. Why? I think Italian men, first of all, love black women that much. I don't think so. It all derives fetishism and colonialism. Because literally, I know quite a few black women that have dated Italian men or married even Italian men that they had horrible, horrible divorces. And I know of people, even in France, that their dads and their parents, maybe they have that white Italian parent, but the white Italian parent is a racist. I'm just saying, and is a fascist. So the only blackness that's okay is the one of their wives. No. So I don't think that Italian men can rescue black women. And especially me as an Italian woman, as a black Italian woman that grew up in this country. Honestly, the first, I think, guy that really showed me interest and really showed me romantic interest was the, this British guy, uh, which was my ex-boyfriend. And... Uh, I literally have to go outside of Italy in order I felt to be seen as a full human and not as a stereotype, not as a prostitute, not as a sexual object, not as somebody just to flirt with uh, in order for you to get access to my pretty friends. For me, I don't know, I don't know around with the narrative that Italian men love black women. Although personally more in the last few years, I discovered that Actually, okay, there are some Italian men that are generally interested in, in black women that normally I've been surprised about because the guys that dated in the last two years, honestly, if I would see them on the day-to-day -day life, I didn't know that you like black women like that. So for me, that was surprising. But I was just like, no, no, <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry, but I do not think that Italian men can say black women. And I wish that Hollywood and all the other like Netflix shows, uh, especially with the script writing like strike, I wish people would really like let go of that narrative. Please do because you will free black women from the shackles, uh, from the shackles of Italian men. Please free women from the shackles of Italian men, especially free black women from the shackles of Italian men. And by the way, they are basically Italian men. Do not worry. Like, it's not just I want a bash on Italian men. But I just want to let you know that it's not it. Just, just, just that. It's not it. You want a relationship where you want to be your authentic self. Where you want to be feel seen, to feel supported. I don't think, like, there are enough Italian men with that maturity to support black women. Especially what black women go through. And they have the tools to support black women. Although... Yeah, I still also are in the relationship, like there are people like Nega from, which is the travel broker, and she is married to Michele, which is seems very nice guy, there is Tia and Enrico, like which are, these are all, all like couple that they look amazing, and they are married, they're getting married, but the interesting part is that these Italian guys are married to black American women, but what the, do they see black African women? Although, let me just say, there are actually quite a few, like, now more, like, mixed couples. But, still, I think there is still a lot to be done. Anyway, with that being said, we should just cherish ourselves. So, talk about cherishing ourselves. I wanted to, maybe in another episode, I will tell you more about an experience that I had in the Candomblé, which is the African spiritual tradition 
in Brazil, uh, mostly Yoruba origin. I want to share with you about that because I think there is so much to demonstrate about African spirituality and hopefully I can have a guess about that. So with that being said, I'll leave you with subsets. Oh my God. Subsets? Like, I'll leave you on the cliff, okay? So thank you so much for listening. I, I appreciate you guys. And take good care. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Don't forget to follow us, Chronicles of a Black Italian Women, on Instagram at Chronicles of ABI double V. And you can follow us to my personal page at Smiley Family. I appreciate you guys. Take care. Bye. Ciao, ciao.